All right. Welcome to Bridging the Generation podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif. And today I have a very, 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 very special guest. <laughs> um, this, this, this artist right here is a member of one of my favorite uh, female uh, singing groups of all time. She really needs no introduction, but to those who don't know, welcome to the Bridging the Generation podcast platform, Mrs. Shirley Jones from the Jones Girls. How you doing? I am doing as well as everybody else, considering what what had what happened to our country on Wednesday. Um, and I'm just hoping and praying like everybody else that on January 20th, we can really, really, truly start making steps towards making America a more perfect union. No doubt. And by that, I mean jailing every person involved, including the president of the United States, uh-huh. in this insurrection. No and doubt. they should all be tried for treason, as far as I'm concerned, because this is something that I, I'm, I'm glad my mother and sisters aren't here to see this, because I don't think any of us ever dreamed this is as bad as the civil war that we all studied in school. So uh, I, I, I urge all, everybody that's listening to let's give Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, get them in here and let's unite this country and hell, hold each and every one of those insurrectionists from top to bottom accountable. No doubt. And that's the only way we're going to be able to unite. No doubt. Oh, those beautiful words spoken couldn't put it, could not have put it any uh any any more beautiful myself. That was I, I appreciate that. I think we appreciate that. So yeah, I totally agree. I'm here in Washington, DC. I'm the home of where all of that is going. Like that's literally 10 minutes away from me. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's it's amazing that that I mean we we knew both most of us in the black community. We knew we've been warning for years all this right. that everyone was giving this man a pass, giving this yes. man a pass, yeah. and he deserves no pass. He deserves to go <laughs> to jail. Get him out of here. Get him no, not, not just get him out of here, jail him. And I don't care about all the threats that they're talking about, the armed, uh, the armed uh, militias and all of that. Jail him as an example and make an example of this that so that it will never ever happen again. No, no doubt, no doubt. No, I, I totally agree he with gets you. No pass, no, no pass. pass. <laughs> all right, all right. Now let's, <laughs> let's let's we go we go now on to the positive. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> yeah yeah. Let's get it. Let's let's get a little bit more 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 energy and and, and exactly. talk about what the reason why I have you on this platform. I appreciate those words though because we need we 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 need to hear that. I have no problem, you know, politicking about those uh, type of issues. And, and you're right. At this time in America, I mean, I'm sure you, you've you been around long enough. You've seen a lot, but I'm pretty sure you've never yeah. seen nothing like this. Absolutely never. Never <laughs> in my life. Never in my life. Okay. Never. Okay. And that's one of the things that, you know, when we were when we were making music, a lot of the music at Philadelphia International was was socially conscious music. Right. And from our being with Philly International, that's how I've been involved in politics all my life. Okay. And I'm a proud Democrat. I'm also a proud patriot. 
Those okay. people that, that were at, at that White House talking about patriotism with those, they were not patriots. those are not patriots. Those are not the patriots. Patriots are people like you and me and those black Capitol Police officers that were actually leading that riotous group of people away right. from the Senate doing their jobs after being yeah. called all kind of niggas, excuse me, and all those yeah, words okay. by those protesters. Those brothers yeah. still did their job. And oh God, that, oh those are the ones that should be getting the Medal of Freedom. Look, look, I want to hear some more about that, but let's get into I want to I want to hear your story. I'm a fan of the music. I'm a fan of you and I'm a fan of, uh, you know, of the culture of uh, black music, music period. So I want to I want to I want to take it back to the beginning. The I want to take it back to the beginning with, with my mother. And uh, Mary Frazier Jones, a very um, now hold on, hold on, Mrs. Jones, hold on, hold on. Let me get a little, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. So, where, where exactly are you from? We are from Detroit, Michigan, West Side Central High School, Wayne State University. That's where mm. we're from. Shout out to the D, shout out to Detroit, Detroit yeah. Motor City. That's right, home of Motown. Yes. So, so with that being said, you know, how did you, you know, what were some of your, uh, when did you realize that singing is something that you love? Singing is, is something that you have a passion for. And this is something that, you know, that you, that you want to pursue. Well, my mother, my mother was a very, very popular gospel singer, regional gospel singer say in like Detroit, Ohio, Illinois. Mm -hmm. uh, she was the first black gospel singer that RCA Records ever signed to a record deal. Mm. In fact, they signed her the very same day that they signed Little Richard. Okay. And when my mother found out that she heard me just singing, I guess repeating one of her songs and she listened and trained me and she and I started singing together and we we were scare steps. So Brenda started singing too one day and then she then it was my mother, Brenda and I. And then maybe a year or so later, she realized Valerie was even trying to sing, even though Valerie kind of never really wanted the limelight or anything, but she did, she joined. And the minute my mother realized that she had this three beautiful voices she started training us and our teaching us our harmonies because she was the music director at, at our church okay and had been for years so she knew voices and she trained us taught us how to harmonize taught us how to when one should pull back like the brenda with the alto should pull back some me with the high when i should pull back so that the harmonies were like slicing through butter. That, mm. that, that was her goal. She used to always say those harmonies should be just like slicing through butter where you just, okay. they just blend so well together. You, right. you can't distinguish, you know, who's singing what. And that, and once she taught us that and trained us that, and then we even had professional training too, in addition to my mother, at the Detroit Conservatory of Music in Detroit. Okay. She okay. had us doing that. She had us doing ballet, tap, piano. We all know <laughs> how to read music and study piano for 10 years. So 
that was the beginning. And from that grew my absolute love of music and, and singing because through it all, through even all of this that we're going through now, the music that has come out that is just, it's a music is the universal language. No and it, it is the one thing that can, and I truly believe will bring us all back together, uh, united. Mm. I even had a song that I did that's on video now with Cynthia Biggs, the girl that wrote Nights Over Egypt. I was just, we go, I want to get out. I want to talk about her later, but go yes. ahead. We did, we did a video on a song that's out now. and People can go to YouTube and see it called There Are No Differences. It's perfect for this time. And it was recently nominated for a Grammy. The, the, the first, second, and third round, it didn't. Uh, we were up against, uh, what's her name? The, the, the young girl, a lot of the more po popular Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. So, I mean, but we made it through the first, second, and third round of the Grammy. So it was nominated for a Grammy, that particular okay. video. There are no differences. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Ms. Jones, being that you grew up in Detroit, who were some of your influences growing up in Detroit? Oh, my God. The Supremes, of course. <laughs> we wanted to be like the Supremes. My mom... Uh, would whenever the Supremes were on the Ed Sullivan show, which was the show to watch way, way back in the day. Yeah, I know about that. the Motown artists, you know, and very rarely back in the day were there, you know, black artists on television. Uh, but whenever the Supremes were on there, uh, we would beg my mother, mother to please, because she also could sew. We want those outfits or something close to that. She made us right. outfits. And and it's I when I think back on it, I think every time the Supremes won, we we would have a few more rehearsals than than necessary or that we had been previously having because she knew that she had these voices where her girls could one day become the Supremes. Okay. Yeah, that's my favorite. That was my favorite group, the Supremes and the Temptations. Okay. Now, I I, I read that you know later on. You end up working with Diana Ross. So Absolutely. how was that? How was that? You know, you and you know, you you and your sisters uh working with uh Diana Ross as backup singers. How was that experience? That was the experience of a lifetime. We were when we were asked to audition for her, we were very popular background singers, say uh doing background out in California for everybody from Lou Ross, Helen Reddy, Aretha mm. Franklin, Norman Connors, mm. uh, Teddy Pendergrass, and on and on. We were very popular. And they came to us one day, our manager, McKinley Jackson. He said, well, you know, Diana Ross is uh, interviewing. She wants, you know, she's been in auditioning, uh, Hold on, Miss Jones. Hold on. Let me stop you for a second. Is this the same McKinley Jackson that used to write and produce music? It is. Yes. And he, he was the work with the, uh, the the Four Tops and Lamont Dozier. The Four Tops and the, the Holland Dozier Holland. That's right. He he did all of their arrangements and producing. And I didn't he know was he the one that actually discovered us and introduced us to Holland Dozier Holland and their label. But he told us. He said. Uh, 
Now, I hear she's been turning everybody down. Do you, Would you guys like to audition? We're like, for Diana Ross, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, she was our hero, our shero. <laughs> and... Uh, now, hold on, hold on, Ms. Jones. I got to stop you again. Now, what era is this? Is we talking... Um, we're, talking 19, we're talking 1976. Okay. Yeah, 1976, we auditioned. Love Hangover. Yes. that was Around that era. Right. She had left the Supremes, and she had she had out, ain't no mountain high enough, reach out and touch, love Hangover. And... We said, yeah, we'll we'll audition for her now. He said, well, she, you know, you're going to actually be auditioning for her music director and her road manager. And we said, okay, you know, she's from Detroit. We'll give it a shot, even though she had been turning everybody down. So we drove up the Laurel Canyon to her uh, road manager's house. And we thought we were auditioning for just the road manager and the music director. And we had practiced uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough and Reach Out and Touch. And we started singing and singing. And lo and behold, out of the back room, down this long hallway, comes Diana herself. Uh, Brenda ran to the bathroom. She said she threw up. <laughs> Valerie and I just stood there with our mouths absolutely wide open. She had a she had Diana Ross. Uh, she had a glow around her. <laughs> she absolutely did. She she was my shero, and the only words out of her mouth was, "You girls are terrific. Can you get passports? We're going to London." And we're like, "Passports, London? You know, I mean, the furthest we had ever went was Detroit to California. So, and we said, "Hey, yeah, we can get it." <laughs> yeah, and we yeah. worked with her from. 1976 to 1979, and she was responsible for us getting with Gamble and Hoff. Okay, I, and so so that's gonna. I want to take it back a little bit because we 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 skipped over this. Now earlier, before you was you guys was working with, uh, before you guys was working with Diana Ross, um, you had a couple of singles out. You had uh, you know, my own special way, come back. Uh, if you don't love me no more, now. I, I listened to those songs, you know, a while back, and I all I'm trying to figure out like what was, what how come none of those songs hit? What was you know what was some of the, uh, um, what was some of the challenges to as far as getting signed? Were you guys trying to get signed? Was the, the, the singles that I just mentioned? Those were from between 1974 and 19, 1971 and 1974, I believe. So, yeah. That well, we actually had a record deal with, we were with Holland Dozier Holland's music That's what I was merchant about to add. label. And then after Holland Dozier Holland's music merchant label, we went to Curtis Mayfield. Curtis. We went to Curtom. Hold on, hold on. I, I got to stop you again. <laughs> <laughs> hold up, because you're throwing a curveball at me. Hold on. So Holland, I remember Holland Dozier Holland had hot wax. Right. But we were on music merchant. That was also one of their labels. I don't know about that one. Yeah, that the music merchant label was because um, Honeycomb, Honeycomb was on Hot Wax, right? And we did uh, some some background on on a couple of the Honeycomb records, actually mm. doing the harmonies, uh, in addition to to the girls doing the harmonies, and uh, 
uh, but we were on their music merchant label, which was a fairly new extension of Hot Wax, because we also did background on some Free to Pain stuff too. Um, and uh, so they they were, because we were young, I mean, I was only 15, 16 years old. And okay. I think because we were young, they at that time, they really were not really thinking about spending a whole lot of money. They threw the records out. And they, a couple of them were local hits. And But once our contract was up, Curtis Mayfield had heard about us and he offered us a deal. And we had several more regional hits right. with on his label. I know you, you guys recorded a um, recorded on Linda Clifford's album. Yes. Oh, Runaway Love and that, that whole album. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and also around that time, and and this is my question. I want to ask you, Mr. Jones, because I have this particular record. I can't find it. Just like I can't find my Jones Girls, uh, the first LP. I got this one right here, the greatest hits one. But I, I have the first two. I have to actually have the first two on vinyl, and I can't find it. So it's so much music. If you can see my studio right now, just music, just everywhere. So anyway. But I had this particular album and I just found this out maybe like a couple of weeks ago um, that you guys recorded vocals on Tower of Power. Um, we came to play album. Yes. But what song is that? Because I can't find I can't find it in the credits. Now, I, can't. I, have to, I can't even remember. You know, I I'm the one that has a memory that's. I can't remember like all of the ones that we did. Yeah. I would have to call McKinley, McKinley Jackson. We're, we're still friends. I'm going to call, I'll call him and find out and I will let you know which one it was on Tower of Power. <laughs> okay. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. So, it, oh, so here we are, you know, you guys are recording with Diana Ross. You're traveling all over the country. Now, were, were there other labels that were, Offering you uh, recording contracts before you initially signed with Gambling Huff. Talk oh about yeah, Motown. They wanted they wanted us, but you know, at that time, I believe Diana Diana was on the outs with Motown, and she so she told us after that first tour, the European tour. She said to us, "You girls are too good to be singing background behind me or anyone else for too long." Mm -hmm. She did. She did not want us to go to Motown. She said, but what I'm going to do for you, you know, I change clothes four or five times in my show. I want you to find a song to sing. And I'm while I'm changing clothes, I'm going to give you your own spot and introduce you to the world. And that's exactly what she did. That's and dope. that's how we got with Gamble and Huff. Okay. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Now you just... You just said that like it was just, you know, like it just happened like that. Now, she she introduced you guys, but how did Gam did Gambling Hub did he did he actually come to a show? Did, did Mr. Yes. Gambling and Mr. Leon Hub they came to a show and how did that work? Yes, uh, we were at the Schubert Theater with her, and the song we had chose was "If I Ever Lose This Heaven." That that was a big average song. white band. That's right. Well, it's Quincy Jones. With Quincy had, Jones. Quincy Jones right, did Quincy it. Quincy Jones had that out. It was yeah. huge back in the day. Yeah. And uh that's the song that we chose to to show our individual talent as well as the harmonies. And we were at the Schubert Theater and that night. And in fact, 
not only were Gamble and Huff there, Patti LaBelle was there, and uh, Dexter Wanzell and Cynthia Biggs. Cynthia said throughout the whole Diana Ross show, all she and Gamble and Patti were all saying, who are those girls? Listen to those background singers. Those girls are the jam. And they all came backstage yeah. afterwards and they were like, you guys, oh, you are fantastic. Okay. And that's when Gamble and Huff said, uh, you know, they asked us, were we, were we with anyone? And they said, no. And they, the, you know, they said, well, um, you know, we, we would love to, to work with you all. Um, and McKinley immediately once we left and went back to LA we immediately got attorneys and within three or four months they were flying us into Philadelphia to do that first Jones Girls album okay okay because yeah. I, I you know at that time you know I don't know if a lot of people who know this they did not have a a, a a a female vocal group because the three degrees were already gone they were gone exactly, and they—they, I—I we didn't know that that the three degrees weren't there, and that they were actually looking for a group uh, to replace them uh, okay. on their on their roster because they were so hot. Philly was the joint, but, you know, because Teddy was rocking the OJs, Billy Paul, Lou Rawls. On fire. Oh, they everybody they they at McFadden and Whitehead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they didn't have. Uh, a female female group right. uh, so we were i mean just to know that we were going to be on that label philly international was was a dream come true for us right. okay so so that now here you guys are are from detroit but you guys been traveling all over the all over the country all over the country all over the world yes and what was it like when you guys first actually walked into 305 Broad Street or, you know, 212 uh, 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 North Street, you know, in, in Sigma Sound Studio. Sigma what, Sound what was that experience like knowing all of the hits oh, yeah. that came out of this, out of these buildings? What was that like? It was, I remember the first day going up on that rickety dink elevator at 309 South Broad Street. And there was the receptionist. And when we saw the receptionist, uh, Mr. G just uh, Mr. Gamble and Mr. Huff will be out in a minute. And uh, we were sitting there, we were like, oh man, look at this history, all those gold and platinum albums yeah. on the wall. We're like, we're a part of this, we can't believe it. And as we were sitting there, different people were coming in and out like, Eddie the bird and going in and we were like oh my god oh my god you know? and they they came out uh and we met with them and then they gave us our schedules because it was very professional it was they gave us the schedule of which producers we would be meeting with yeah. uh and each producer had like like little classrooms where they all had a piano they all had a tape recorder and they presented their songs to us. The one thing I do, I love about what Gamble and Huff did for us was they involved us as far as they let us pick the songs that we wanted to do off, you know, based off of what was presented to us. And they always, always let me have, because I'm a writer myself, they let McKinley and I 
uh, have two songs on every Jones Girls album, at least two songs. Yeah, because I remember you wrote you wrote on that first. Um, I saw your uh, credits, uh, your credits on that first album. Yes, yeah, uh, the, the, we did on every show. Love today. Let's be friends first. They were all album cuts, but they were all to this day. I still get royalties for for some of those songs that were album cuts because they were so popular yeah. overseas, yeah. which is where we also, as the Jones Girls, spent a lot of our time in Europe. Okay, so let's talk about that first album. So here it is, 1979. And around this time, disco was kind of like on its way out. Um, I feel like, you know, there was a there was some pushback, and I believe that it was kind of racially motivated. Um, but there was some pushback against uh, disco, and the sound of music is changing. Even the sound of Philadelphia is changing. Yeah, and here you guys put out now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first single? Um, the first single from that album, um, you're gonna make me love somebody else. That's right. So yes. Yes. now here it is. Gambling Huff have never put out a song. No artist from Philadelphia International Records. If you listen to that particular song and the drum patterns and the arrangement, it and sounds that baseline, the baseline. and that baseline is who's yes. is that? Anthony Jackson. That's uh, Jimmy Williams. He just Jimmy passed Williams. a month ago. Oh, Jimmy Williams man, was the bass that. player, yes, on all of that. And he was the OJ's bass player on all of their live performances. Live shows, yeah. That was yeah. Jimmy, yeah. I know about Jimmy Williams. So, um, yeah, sorry to hear that. Um, yeah. So, so here we go. You know, so you, you guys, you guys, Gambling Hub, they, 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 you got, they, they, they put this song together. And one thing that always stood out to me about, uh, uh, Kenneth Gamble and Leon Huff, they were always able to write beautiful songs from a woman's perspective. So yeah. I know you, 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 this was, this is interesting because you don't hear that now, nowadays. So you alluded earlier about, um, them allowing you guys to pick your songs that, you know, songs that, uh, um, that writers wrote for you guys. Mm -hmm. How did you guys feel as far as, you know, did, did you guys ever have like input as far as, you know, input as far as like the songwriting? Like maybe you guys, maybe not writing the song, but did Gambling Huff ever let you guys say, say, you know, maybe we should do it like that or, you know? Oh, of course. And and it's little known, uh, most of the, most, if not all of the background parts on all of our songs, we created. They did not write the background parts for us. They let us create the backgrounds. Cause you know, during yeah. that time, backgrounds were the, they, they made the songs, you oh, know? Yeah. And I think that's why we were so popular as far as other people wanting us to do background because they knew we were gonna create the right background. And those were some of the best memories even now with, uh, both of my sisters being, you know, have, having made their transition, the best memories I have, the fun times where when we would be in those hotels, just the three of us laughing, talking, and creating. And creating yeah. the backgrounds for either someone else like a Teddy or Lou Ross and or creating background for us. It was that, Those are some of the memories that are most precious to me now. Now, when now during the time you guys were recording in Philadelphia, were you guys living in uh, living in Philadelphia? 
and they would get us apartments and we would stay there for three months from beginning to end of the, including the photo sessions and everything. So we would have apartments at the Warwick Hotel up on that top floor. Uh, the Warwick is still there. Still there. They get it because they knew we were going to be there for a long time and they knew all of us liked to cook. Um, so we, they would get us our own apartments right up there on that top floor. Where, okay. And we would be there for about three months from beginning to end. And that was every year for each album. Okay. So that first album, that first album is, 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 is almost like a greatest hits album. <laughs> from beginning to end, you know, it's, it's, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm mad that I don't have it to show you, you know, but um, what I want to talk about is, who can I run to? That song right there. My favorite you know, Jones Girls song. Everybody and, that and knows me knows that's my favorite Jones Girls song. Why? Why was that song not released as a single? It be, well, it was the B-side of You're Gonna Make Me Love Somebody Else. So it still sold several million records. Oh, okay. Back in the day, they had an A and B-side. Right, and I know that. That is the question because so many people at Philly International wanted Gamble and Huff not to put that on the B-side, but to release that as a single. That's what but, I mean. Yeah, but but um, it didn't. Uh, but the uh, a group Escape brought so much attention to that record when they did it. And that was great, too, for us, because that was 1995. 95, yeah. It brought a lot of attention back to us. And even to this day, so many people a lot of people did not know that we actually did it, but now they do. And it's starting that now they say, I'm getting so many young fans that have listened to our version because they, they've heard it, you know, here or on yeah. their different platforms. Yeah. And they're like, we didn't even know you did it, but God, my God, I love you guys version. Right, as right. much as if not more so than, than escapes version. Yeah, I love I love Escape. Did they did did Escape ever uh, reach out to you guys and they you know did. Did you they did. Um, and and the girls they you know they they asked me what did I think of the song and and they they told me well we don't think we we did it justice. I'm like you girls sold millions of copies. You did an excellent job. You did a great job. And when they did their own song, they gave us a nice plug that we did it first and and even played a little bit of our version and showed the, you know showed the album cover. So okay. yes, they did. That's dope. That's dope. It's, it's all I always I love when artists give back, you know, preserving the culture. And that, that's what bridging the generations is, is all about. It's about bridging the gap between from the older generation to the current generation and just right. keep just preserving great music. Yes. And they're 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 sweet ladies too. And you know, it was uh it to, for them to do it, it was it was an honor because that was always and always will be my favorite Jonesville song. In fact, so much so that I wrote a song, um, a sample. It's called I Won't Tell, using the music from Who Can I Run To that's on okay. all the streaming platforms. It's called I Won't Tell. And it's, it's, it did very well. It's doing very well. And I'm just excited about it. And then my son, Cameron, and Valerie's son, PJ, they have a video and record out called Who Can I Run Number Two, where they've done it hip hop style. Okay. And it's really doing well. So I gotta check. I gotta I gotta I gotta check that out. I oh yeah, who can that. I run number two? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, so here we are, you know, like I said, it's 1979 going into 1980. Um, you going to make me love somebody else go goes all the way up to number five. The, the, I believe it went platinum. Yeah. I believe that went platinum. I, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, that was Philadelphia International's first platinum record. I could be yeah, wrong. Um, no, they had had a couple of other ones, but but it was it was it was up there with with uh, those. I think the OJ's had had one. No, no, I apologize. The first platinum record by a female artist, right? Because yes. I don't I don't believe I don't believe the Three Degrees songs. I think it went gold. I don't believe like. Um, I think I'm not really sure. Like when will I see you again? I don't know if that went platinum. I could I'm be wrong not, though. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I would have to check on that as well. Okay. 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 So what overall, what was the you know the reception of in, in, in Philadelphia and in Detroit and abroad as far as you know that particular album and that particular you know those those particular songs that came off the album? What was the reception like? Oh my God! All, it seems like overnight we were on we were on tour with the OJ's, uh, people, Bryson. All of a sudden. Uh, Gamble had uh, the same guy that put the OJ show together, Charlie Atkins, and did their the next, uh, choreographer. Yes, Charlie, and uh, they put a show together. We got buses, you know, and and we were on the road with the OJs for like eight months. Wow! And that in itself was just such an experience because <laughs> the OJs were like my favorite group at at yeah. that time, and. Yeah. To actually, Eddie and Walter and I, like today, even today, we're like, you know, they're like my big brothers because they taught us so much about entertaining because after we, you know, we were nervous and scared, even though we had done some shows before yeah. early on in our careers, there's nothing like mainstream, main big stages, big concerts because the OJs were huge. And after we would open up, they would set three chairs on the side of the stage so that we could watch them work. And my God, did we learn a lot from watching them work. Right, right. <laughs> Eddie would always say, watch me work, girls. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we did. We watched and we du right. duplicated and uh, our shows became just as fabulous as theirs because they really taught Brenda and I especially how to interact with each other on stage like Walter and Eddie did. Now, when I think of the Jones girl, was it by design as far as you guys not really having like a lead singer? Because it seemed like, you know, now who was really like the lead singer in, in the Jones girl? Because I, what? Me. <laughs> I'm singing on lead on you're going to make me love somebody else. Who can I run to? Uh, I just love the man. Uh, I'm at your mercy. I'm embarrassed. Dance, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. turn to romance. <laughs> uh, I'm embarrassed right now because song. you guys' voices, you do so, like one thing about the joke, like a lot of your songs, you do a lot of harmony. We do a lot of harmonies. And Nights Over Egypt was the one song that we deliberately, Dexter Wanzel and Cynthia Biggs, that song, we deliberately did not want a lead voice. We wanted the harmonies and the unisons to blend so well together that they were the lead voice. Okay. And that's the one song that we did that on. And of course, Nights Over Egypt is 
the song today that is just massive for us massive. all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so you guys have a lot of you guys have a yeah, you guys have some some so a, a lot of songs that are sampled uh very you know heavily. I know Jay-Z sampled. Uh you're gonna make you me know, love somebody you're else. You're gonna make me love somebody else on his uh volume one project. Right. And um you know, so so what do you think about that as far as you know artists sampling you guys' music and you know, do you do you feel like these guys uh, are preserving, you know, your, you guys' legacy? Do they do they give homage? You know, do you feel like Absolutely. how do you take on that? Absolutely. And I'm very proud of my son, Cameron, and PJ, who's an excellent beat. I call him the beat master right. because he created the beats for um, my, my son and, uh, and PJ. They are now redoing all of the Jones Girl songs That's paying dope. homage to us. Uh, the first one is uh, Who Can I Run Number Two? And I just did a step out, of, I call it Step Out in Harmonies on their latest one, which is called Nights Over Champagne, okay. which is a sample <laughs> of Nights Over Egypt. And it is also on yeah. all of the streaming platforms and doing very well. That one was just released several weeks ago and it's doing extremely well and yeah, we true. haven't even done the video to it yet we're going to be doing that as soon as this pandemic you know this pandemic has just it's crazy slowed so much stuff down as yeah. far as a video for my my latest uh record and uh the new one nights over champagne okay so look i want to i want to go back to this nights over egypt i can't just let i can't move on from that song because that song and that bass line doom, doom, doom. <laughs> yes <laughs> like that that particular song right there did you guys realize like that song was going to be a classic like we did not the only one that did was valerie because <laughs> valerie actually wanted it to be the first single off okay. of that get as much love as you can album and boy if we had listened to her you know that album would have been probably triple platinum uh, right. But, you know, we had a couple, we had two other singles first off of the Get As Much Love As You Can album before Nights Over Egypt was released. Right. But Nights Over Egypt, the, the Quiet Storm format ate that up. And that that became, you know, the song, I mean, that even now so many people that are using it and I... Uh, Fat Joe uses it as his intro. Dion Cole, I mean, um, uh, what is his name? Anderson Pack said that that's one of his favorite songs, and that has brought a whole new young generation yeah, to yeah. Uh, inquire. They've been googling us. I've been, people have been emailing me, and on Instagram, I'm getting all these young fans, mainly from uh, Nights Over Egypt. They just absolutely love that song. And I tell them, I tell people all the time when they ask me, well, how did you all feel about doing that song? I said, you know, we actually did not think that that was the song for us. Mm. But we wanted purposely for that song to, when it came on and when people listened to it, we wanted it to be a song that they would want to hear it again and again right. and again because it's like ethereal. It just takes you away from everything and just oh, no. makes you... It just makes you feel good. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, look, now this is a segment of the, the Bridge and the Generation podcast where I throw out three different names. And being that I'm a huge Philadelphia International Records uh, fan, I'm a huge 
Jones girl fan. I'm a huge Shirley Jones fan. Tell me a little bit about these three artists or these these three people. Give the fans a little bit of, you know, some great memories of, of, of these names. I'm going to throw them out. You ready? Uh-huh. First name, Dexter Wansom. Oh, my God. My friend, he's a genius. Dexter is an absolute musical genius. Uh, be before we even uh, met, met him and was working with him, that Life on Mars album of his, um, <laughs> you know. What One of the best jazz fusion albums ever. Yes, yes. His, his keyboard play and the things he do with the clavinets and all that different. And, and, and he plays most of those instruments himself. He's, he's and amazing. that's my buddy. And he, I just say he's a musical genius. Dexter Wanzu, I need to talk to you, Dexter Wanzu. I hope you see this because I'm looking for that interview. I'm a huge fan. Oh, huge. Well, I will definitely connect you guys because we're friends to this day. Thank so you I'll so much. I'll definitely hook you up. I, I would greatly appreciate it. So here he is. I'm going to keep moving. We're we on number two. Cynthia Biggs. She is one of the most underrated writers. To me, she's like Carol King and all of the She's just underrated because Cynthia not only wrote uh, Nights Over Egypt for us, but she wrote If Only You Knew for Teddy Pent I mean, for Patti LaBelle, If Only You yeah. Knew. Love TKO for Teddy Pendergrass. Uh -huh. um, We're Melody for us. Um, my favorite disco. And she she's a-, a We missing one, we missing one, Miss Jones. Missing one, this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one. Which one? Hurry up this way again. Oh, hurry up this way again. Yes. Stylistic. Pain. Uh, that was another Dexter Wanzel song. She is the type of writer that research. She researches all of her lyrics to make sure that the context of what she's writing is there. That's especially. I know that's especially true for Nights Over Egypt. Uh, and the, and the, she wanted to make sure she was using the correct language and uh, from those times. Right. And she tells us about that. So I, the one thing I can say, she's one of the most underrated writers uh, in music history to me. I totally agree. I told, I told, I love the partnership um, Dexter and her together. It's, yes. it's, it's, I think it, them two together is one of the most underrated um tandem songwriting tandems and, and uh partnerships in, in, in music history absolutely yes so i noticed like okay so gambling huff wrote a lot uh they wrote they wrote it seemed like they wrote their hits but the bulk of you guys music was written by dexter wanda and and um you know cynthia big so as i noticed and you you lived through this through this era and me being a fan i'm gonna shoot it from the hip um things were kind of changing music was changing uh what was it like working with miss mr gamble and mr huff like do you feel like the the load of being label heads and writing and producing because i don't believe we have ever seen anything like that before or since i don't think gamble and huff really get their credit because there has never been a time where you have the record label, the guys who run the record label, they write the hits and they produce the hits for the marquee artists. And right. do you feel like that, you know, 
it finally caught up to Mr. Gamble and Mr. Huff. You know, how, you know, I always wanted to ask that question. I'm sorry. They, Have you ever asked that question before? <laughs> well, no, but but they them as a as a unit, you know, Huff being, playing the piano was perfect, you know, and then yeah. Gamble, he's another. Well, of course, the, the, his lyrics. He he was the lyricist of in that team. Huff was um, the music and there's guy. There's one song that I think people should listen to that they did that is for us, that is one of my personal favorites, and that's At Peace With Woman. I love that. That At Peace With Woman album. Or album. That album. Gamble took lyrics from MFSB had a, a song on their album called Old San Juan, which is which is the music that he used. And he came to us and he said, listen to this song, listen to this music. And he said, I think I want to write some lyrics to that. And when he came back and presented those lyrics, even now today in Europe, that song, that's one of the songs, it's like a standard song I have to do when I'm performing over there. And even here, people, that, that that's that album that we are. I love that the album cover is so beautiful. Yes. You guys wearing the 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 the, the Egyptian garments, you yes. know, the Arabian garments or what have. I love yes. that. Album and cover. and the lyrics, there won't be peace on earth till man's yeah. at peace with woman. I mean, yeah. I, I, what 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 beauty, yeah. what beauty, yeah. and it's Gambling so true. And they, they the uh, and. and I don't think, you know, again, I don't think people understand how special, you know, you talk about it. Talk about it before I go, because I, I got I, I, I still have it. I got one more name, but I want you to touch on how special were Gamble and Huff. You know, what made them so special? I think they were special because not only were the lyrics and the music so interwoven but the lyrics were most of it was about socially conscious uh things that were going on in society and you know um put your hands together and let us pray you know uh all those different songs for the ojs for us for they were so beautiful uh that it, inspirational, that's the word for them. Gamble and Huff were so inspirational with their lyrics. And I, it was just such a joy working with them. And even on my solo project, when I had the opportunity to write one of the songs she knew about me with Gamble and Huff, that was a, that was a, a, a pleasure for me. So All right, let, let's slow down, Ms. Jones. I, I, <laughs> I said I want to keep you here all night, but I want to get to that. I want to get to that. But that that piece with woman, I want to talk about that piece with woman album. Um, but before I do that, I got one more name. I told you I gave you. I only gave you two, so I got one more. One more. And, I was getting ready to say there's a third one somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 being that I'm a huge diehard Philadelphia International Records fan. As I, I really don't feel there's a lot of information on this gentleman. And I don't know if you have worked with him or maybe seen him around in the office, but Norman Harris. I did not. 
I did not see Norman. I know him. I know, you know, I we knew him, but I didn't see Norman Norman a, a lot of around the office because Norman, um, you know, the musicians would usually record separately from us, so the tracks were already done. Okay. But he he was a huge influence over there at Philly International. Okay, you yeah. know what? It just dawned on me. It just dawned on me. I forgot that Baker, Harris, and Young, they left before you guys got there. But he, he still did, did some things, and he was around Sigma a lot. I would see him. Yeah, yeah, he was still around. But it's, like, if you look at a lot of, as far as, um, like, when I look at the album credits, because mm -hmm. I'm big on, like, the credits, um, they will always play on every on everything. And then right. I started seeing Michael Sugar, Sugar Bear Foreman and... I start seeing, um, you know, um, you just Jimmy met, I, exactly Jimmy right. Williams, and I start seeing, you know, other um, Charles Collins right. uh, replace uh, Earl Young. So, right. but again, what was it like just working with, you know, just working with all these great musicians, you know, MFSB? What was that like? Oh my God, you know, because we all study piano. Musicians were some of our favorite people. I think I, I, I dated and, you know, <laughs> hung out. Those were my guys. Who were you um, close with? Um, I was close with, with just about all of them, all of the musicians. Um, Jimmy Williams, you know, um, uh, Earl Young, you know, all those different guys. We Because they're the, the way that they play, you know, the way they... The, the, it's it's the way, like the way when when I sing and when my sisters and I sing, mm -hmm. you can uh, you could feel the the beauty and the love. Facts. And, and those Facts. musicians that, and that's one of the things when we chose our musicians, we had some heck of a musicians uh, traveling with us, like Alan yeah. McGreer. Um, Byron Miller, some of those are, are some of my favorite, uh, like bass players and uh, keyboard players, of course, McKinley Jackson. Uh, you know, we we would always base it on when they played and auditioned for us. That they set the standard high. Yes, you could hear, you could feel that love coming through those keys, or when they were plucking the bass or the guitar. That that to me, that's that's how you you musicians that. Like those guys, it, the beauty is in the in the way that they play. I can, you can tell, you can feel. I can it. see it. Like, like you know, I was just like an infant around that time. <laughs> yeah, but I can, I can just see it. Like I've been to Philadelphia International Records. I visited. Uh, I'm so heartbroken that it's it's no longer there on um Broad Street. But I did I get a chance to visit it. I did, and I could just when I go there. And if you can see my studio, it's, it's surrounded by just records. And I can just, I can see you guys in Studio A and I can oh, just, yeah. see it. you know, I can oh, see yeah. the musicians in their different booths. I can see Earl Young and Charles, like, and listening to your music, it seems like it's timeless. Like it. it, it and you it, know, when, believe it or not, people always ask me, were, were you all trying to, to make uh, music? Uh, that would be uh, regarded and revered uh, 40 years later. And I'm like, we didn't, we weren't even thinking about that. All we were thinking about was 
performing and putting on wax love and interpreting the songs the way we saw it which was always about love and to me when you put that kind of effort into your craft it's, it can't help but be timeless because yeah, yeah. Nice. We, we weren't doing it for the money we were doing it for, for the love that, that was expressed through it how did you guys stay grounded just knowing that you know like man we are we're with Philadelphia International how did you guys stay, like that like Philadelphia International was only second to like Motown exactly how did you guys stay grounded um, we say grounded because we're from Detroit. Yeah, hey, Detroit. Hey, my 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 girlfriends and my friends and our friends in Detroit and our family members, they weren't gonna let us. What girl, you from the west side of Detroit? You better go somewhere. I don't care nothing about no gold platinum records. And you know, and, and that's one thing my friends say to me now. You're still and always have been just surely. Because one thing my mother always told us, you know better than anybody just because god blessed you with a voice just remember it can be taken away from you so you don't think that because you have this blessing of, of in your voice you're no better than no one and you're no worse we are all the same we so and i've i've taken that with me throughout my life so i i appreciate people that love the music because that just tells me that when i'm performing behind that microphone yeah putting that love in there that they they're hearing it they're feeling it and that that's what's the important thing to me mm. okay okay so you know um the second album you 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 guys have the song and I, i'm not going to stay too long on every single project but i i gotta give i gotta give reverence to this particular song because it's another one of my favorites um Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, I just love that man. When it was oh, a top yeah. ten, it was a <laughs> yeah. top ten song, and you know we don't have songs like that anymore. Like, do you feel like that is something that we need as far as like, you know, like I, I feel like those guys wrote songs that spoke from a place of love and and a place of sincerity. And you yes. guys were able to take, they were able to write songs for you guys that, that came from a woman's perspective, but it was, it was, it was genuine. And, you know, how, you know, being that you guys were, you know, you guys are singing the songs. How did you feel about that? Knowing that these guys are giving you top product and oh. you guys are bringing it with the voices. Well, what happened with that particular song, the song was actually finished without the, uh, the talking part was not there. And Kenny kept saying, Who's know, talking? Is that who who is that talking? Brenda and Valerie and, and me, they were talking okay. to me about an actual experience I was going through with uh a guy. And <laughs> Kenny happened, he he had just said You a beautiful girl. <laughs> Ken, Kenny had just said, you know, the song. There's something missing. There's something missing. We didn't know. We were still in the studio. And he said, hold on a minute, girls. Just hold on a minute. So we we were in the studio. We didn't know that he was actually listening to our conversation that we were having in uh, in the studio. He was in the control booth. And they were telling me, you 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 know, you, you need to leave him. You, you need to just stop taking all this stuff off of him. And as Kenny said, that's what we need. That's what we need right there. And we're like, what? 
And I'm like, what? Then them telling me off about my man? And then Kenny said, yeah, exactly. That's what. And so that's that's how the talking part came, came on there from him actually listening to uh, them telling me how they yeah. felt about a, a particular relationship I was going through. Where that? Where where's that? Where's that sucker at now? Yeah. <laughs> We're the best of friends. No comment. No comment. I'm not. About, I'm not trying to start anything. No, uh, we're the best of friends. That's cool. That, that's cool. So, so look, you guys did. You, you, you know, you guys released. You had. You, you did three projects, and then you jumped over to RCA. Yes. So, what was that all about? Because those three projects that you guys released on Philadelphia International, there's some legendary classic songs, but. You know, you guys decided to take it to a, you know, to another label and go another direction. What, what was that all about? Um, yeah, we we changed management, okay. and uh, disco had really rap was really coming in heavy, and we weren't sure uh, if you know if Gamble and them were uh, going to um, move over uh, to you know adapt to the rap or or. We weren't sure if they were going to pick our contract up. And in, in, during that interim, RCA, uh, Fonzie Thornton, who is uh, Luther. one of Luther's, yes, Luther. uh -huh. yeah. and Robert Wright, who's deceased now, he was the head of uh, A&R at RCA. They offered us a, a, a record deal. And we decided to, you know, just go for it and, and try. Um, uh, it, the, the songs on there, on Target, To Win You Back, those were some really good songs. Uh, yeah. But at that same time, or shortly thereafter, right. Gamble and them released uh, Keep It Coming, which was Kenny Burke, you know, and uh, Rising to the Top, Kenny yes. Burke. And yes. that album, the Keep It Coming album, actually did better than the On Target album. So all four albums from Philly International um, have really classics. But what yeah. I have a lot of people tell me that they really liked the On Target, even though it was not um, as popular uh, yeah. as, as the other the Philadelphia songs. There's still some good songs on there. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was some quality. It was some quality material. Yeah, I, I, a different, completely different direction. Yeah, and and not the not the funk. Uh, right that we had with gamble and hop yeah yeah it was kind of like you know how the um what was the other uh girl group that was really big and they kind of changed their sound to um they out of oakland um you guys probably the point sisters there you go yeah the point you know, you know how they how they went kind of like with the new wave sound you guys didn't go that direction but you got your sound changed a little bit it when you changed were, quite yeah. a bit yes so, so the Keep It Coming album, I always wanted to ask you this. Now, was the Keep It Coming album, was that material recorded around the same time as the other three projects? Or that was no, fresh? No, that, that material was recorded during, uh, let's say, like, when we were recording uh, the uh, Peace With Woman. And, mm -hmm. and, and they were, it was like those songs were put into the can. Okay. So it was recorded prior, much prior to on target okay and then they they decided to release that um right after rca released on target <laughs> yeah they... <laughs> I, I get... i'm mad at them though because hey you know i we, we were singing on all of them but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it did set up a little competition which kept uh that album from from doing as well okay. 
Okay. So, so look, so now you go ahead and drop the Keep It Coming album, but then, you know, you decide to go solo. So, um, you know, wh what was that about? You know, like, you know, as far as, you know, whose was that a group decision? Was that Philadelphia International Records? Because you were still signed to Philadelphia International Records when you went ahead and did your solo album. So, you know, well, I were, no, we, we had left, the Jones Bros had left Philly International and my sisters did not want us sing. Don't say, but you, you were on Philadelphia International. Yes, and, and after, after- Well, Brenda you released an album on Philadelphia International, let, right. me, let me correct. Brenda got married and moved to Atlanta. Valerie went back to Detroit and was with, you know, was with my mom. And we decided to take a break because we, I mean, we started out, you know, 10, 11 years old, professionally right. doing right. background. Uh, they were just kind of tired of it. Worked out. Yeah. And, and we had broken up as a group. And what I did was um, uh, I was sitting in, in my condo one night and Gam Gamble called me and asked me, you know, if I would be interested in doing a solo project. And I'm like, absolutely yes i'm sitting here now trying to decide what direction you know what am i going to do because I, but i knew that i wanted to sing right. and so uh we went uh he they flew me in and i was there for another three months in my apartment and yeah. uh gamble and i together the whole concept you know we had the the i wanted a, a fast side and a slow side and on that slow side was of course my number one record. Do you there get enough love? Yeah, I love that. Now that's when that was. Now I was old enough to remember that one. Like that was the first time. The other songs I was I was really young. I didn't remember. I, I you know, but I remember when that came out. Yes, and here in DC, in DC, that was that song. <laughs> I know that yeah. song. Was, you couldn't go nowhere. What I'm hearing that song. I know it because DC was the place I did um, uh, several promotional tours in DC. And even, even when I uh, play DC now, when I sing that song, it's like, oh man, yes. you know, that's the joint. Yes. yes. Bunny that's Siegler. Bunny, he, he, the late great Bunny Siegler. Yes. Legend. <laughs> yes. Le legend. So, so that particular song, it goes number one. Absolutely. Shirley Jones get a number one, and, and the Jones girls never got a number one. We but never got a number one, only because you know a lot of times you would have Michael Jackson or yeah, uh, you well. know different people, and they would hold that spot for so long. <laughs> but do you get enough love? Just fought through Anita Baker yeah. and all the other ones, and just landed right there and held on for a few weeks too. So I mean that in itself was was just such yeah. such joy for me okay. and the yeah. album the album went to you know went to number eight on on r&b chops which yeah is, which is really good yes it was really good so so I, I i love that particular album you know how did you feel you know as as far as about you know how did you feel about your career at that point and what you accomplished you know it was um bittersweet because during that time my sisters and i were strained uh because once the album did as well as it did you know uh, they were happy for me, but, you know, we, of course, they, it, it was still bittersweet because we had had some, some issues, you know, which is what, what tore, you know, kind of broke us up. Um, so it was bittersweet, but 
I, I, I was still extremely happy about it. And we did, even after the success of that album, we did get back together in 1993, 90, 92 and 93, and did an album over in Europe. Oh. Uh, both for Jones Girls coming back CD mm. and then a solo project for me shortly thereafter okay. uh, with a, a label over there, ARP Records, that that did huge in Europe. And that's why, one, more, you know, I spend a lot of time, in addition to my traveling now, uh, taking people down memory lane here in the, <laughs> in the United States. Yeah. Over there, it's, you know, I do the same thing uh, with, yeah. with not just the Jones Girls, but with... Um, the Jones girls coming back in the two albums that we did over there as well. Okay. Cause you know, after that, so, so, you know, 1986, you dropped that project. It did really well, but you didn't, you, that was it. You didn't release another solo project or you didn't record another project in the States. until I believe 2007 with Sherelle and Gene Carr and Gene Carr. How could I forget Gene Carr? Right. Um, and that, that was actually from a performance. That was a live uh, CD. From, from a show CBD. that we did in Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah, but I took took that long break because I became a mom in 1988. And my my goal uh, then, uh, I had just been recently married and then my son Cameron was born and I just wanted to be a mom. And okay. I took a break uh, okay. from music uh, to, to make sure that he, he became grounded and, and got on his way. Uh, oh, and then, uh, you know, after Valerie, passed uh i start and then my mom in 2006 uh i started feeling like i needed to get back into singing because i knew that that was something that both my mom valerie and brenda and brenda and i we you know we did a couple of things together but then um who's the oldest between i, I don't mean to cut you off but who's the oldest out of you guys i am you're the oldest okay yeah i'm the oldest and and uh both of them are They've transitioned, but uh, yeah. yes, I'm the oldest. But yeah. we're step steps a year apart. It's only a year. Okay. Difference. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, so how important, you know, like you, you, you're mentioning, you know, um, you know, you decide to raise your your son. How important do you feel like it is for artists who have children to like balance their family and to to, to prioritize their careers and their family? Um. Well, for me, if if I, there was no choice, I I really wanted to spend time with my son. I did not want my son uh, traveling, uh, you know, all, on on the road. I wanted him to have a foundation, right. which which was our home. Uh, even though they did, we took them over there to Europe with us when we recorded that album for ARP in 1992. They were like four, uh, four, I think four or five years old. My son and Valerie's son. Um, but then after that. I, I just wanted to make sure he got really good, a ground, solid foundation, both in school and in church, uh, so that he would grow up, you know, with a foundation and not a road child. And right. that was very important to me. And uh, hey, they, he and he and uh, Valerie's son, they have made me so proud. I, you know, they're they're doing so well with their with their music. And I'm really proud of them. I got, I got, I checked them out. We follow each other on Instagram. They're good people. I, I like that's, I, that's the most important thing. They're good citizens. And, I like what I hear. Strong black men. I, strong black no men. No doubt. So, 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 
you know, um, you know, like I said, you, you know, you, you, uh, Brenda and Valerie, they, they transition. Mm -hmm. um, so do you do you feel like, you know, are you still going to, you know, how important do you feel it is to continue that, you know, the Jones girl legacy? You know, even it's the most important thing. It's, it, it is it is a drive. This, this, the pandemic has just slowed everything down for now. But after Brenda's tragic death in 2017, I became more determined than ever to keep going out there, to keep the legacy and the music, all that beautiful music of love uh, that my sisters and I did, keep it going out there. And, and, and I love to hear that. I love to Yes. Yeah, and, I, I love to hear it. Soon as this, uh, I'm getting. A, as soon as I'm able to get the shot, I'm getting it, so I can get back out there. I know that's right. Continue the work that that my sisters and I did, which was okay. Hopefully, made we we hopefully our determination. What we wanted to do was make music okay. that made people just smile and no feel doubt. good. No yes. So, what's your favorite Jones Girl album? If you could choose one Jones Girl album, what's your the favorite? favorite album? Of course, is the very first one. Personal. The Jones Girls. That's yeah. my favorite one. Yes. I love that one. I, I love all of them, but that's my baby right there. Yeah, that's you my know, Probably after this interview, I'm going to go there and listen to it probably for like the 20th time. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Yeah, you know, so so what's your take on, you know, with the uh, current, you know, R&B? You know, it sounds a, a lot different from what... I've from what a lot of us who've grown up listening to traditional rhythm and blues sounds like, you know, um, I know all things change and what they call evolution. But, you know, some people like it. Some people don't. What's your take on it? I do. Uh, you know, I like it. Um, a lot of it. it, it I, I, I still don't feel the heart felt that like the old school, you know, and I find myself, you know, my my. Um, a playlist is full of OJ's and Aretha, Anita Baker, Sade. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just old. You remember, you, you remember when this, you remember when this came out? Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> Ted, Teddy. Yeah. yeah. What's your what's your memory? What's one of your greatest memories of Teddy? Uh, well, we worked with Teddy, uh, and and a lot of people don't know Teddy and I dated for a year. So one of my favorite, one of my best memories of him, yeah, was he's just, just, just a, a he was a sweetheart. I, you know, I really like. Hold him. on, hold on, yeah. You, yeah. that had to be <laughs> that. So this is around the teddy bear era with the when they had the jeans. Close, close the door. The ladies the only concert. Yes. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> that 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 was um. He, 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 he was he's he was actually um a great person but uh he was you know he was uh, I had he had a lot going for him and uh super talented and so young. Just, yeah just a, just a nice guy in fact um you know our it was funny because a lot of times we would be on the road because we were traveling on the road with him at that time during the tour. Uh, and even after we broke up, those were some of the moments where you know, I still had to work. And, you know, and he and I, it, it was funny because he was like, oh, no, you you still you." And I'm like, no, we're not. You know, this is strictly business now. I, I got to go out there and we got to go out there and open for you. And then that's it. You're not yeah. coming to my back to my hotel room. None of that. Done. That's done. 
So because so I know he used to have that mansion that that um yeah the the, the 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 guy on I TV. Spent, I spent a lot of time there. Yes. The guy on TV, I forgot his name. Um, but yeah, so so it it that's that's amazing that you was around, you know, that you're a part of that. You know, when you think back, you know, what were some of the highlights of of, of being on Philadelphia International Records? Just, just recording, traveling, you know, just anything. Well, just fun. And there was a restaurant across the street called the Fantasy, where we would all gather. You could go into the fantasy on any day and see Dexter Wanzel, Billy Paul. Lou Rawls, Teddy, the OJs, you know, it, it, it now hold on, hold on, real, real quick, real quick. Now, this is across the street from 309, from 309. Broad, or it was, it was across the street from 309 South Broad Street, yes. And they tore it down. Um, oh my goodness, maybe 2010, 80? one of the worst days of my life. No, well, yeah, they tore, they tore <laughs> when they could have died, went in there, torn the fantasy down years before that, though. Oh, oh I thought I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about I thought you were talking about uh Broad Street, the rest of yeah, I mean the, the fantasy was right across the street from 309. That's where everybody went to kind of gather and eat and have lunch because they had some of the best soul food in the city too at that time. When when did they when did they tear that down? They tore that down, I would say late 90s. Oh okay. yeah, they, they tore that down long before they they tore 309 down. Wow, wow. Yeah. I'm beautiful. So I know you. Long, for, for a period of time, 309 um, was, it was there. And they had like a little museum. And you could museum. go in and buy That's what paraphernalia. I yeah. Mm -hmm. And now Gamble, he has a podcast. And his son and daughter, they're running the merchandising. And they, you can get the, the Philly. Hey, yes. You can get that merchandise uh, through their podcast. Uh, through their um website. Yeah, that's already I'm already tapped in. I I'm see. already I'm already tapped in <laughs> that, with that looks like an authentic uh yeah this is yeah. this is yeah you got the you know I want I was trying to decide because I have like four of them. I was trying to I was trying to decide which one I wanted to wear. <laughs> I said you know what this one this one represents well so yeah um so so Mrs. Jones I'm not going to hold you up any longer. You know what do you what what do you have going on right now? And I know this pandemic is slowing a lot of stuff on, sl stuff down. But what well, you got I going on? I got a couple of things coming up. One or two I cannot talk about because I'll be able to talk about it, uh, and we'll be posting some something, uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Right now, I'm just uh, working hard promoting both my my single. I won't tell. And the new single that I did with uh, Cam, my son, Cam and PJ, Jones Connection, um, Nights Over Champagne. So we're promoting that, doing a lot of Zoom uh, mm -hmm. interviews like this one, both here and overseas. And okay. they just released, uh, or it's, when is the ninth? Is that today? Uh, um, the night, two days ago, yeah, my birthday is Friday. Over in Europe, uh, the Essential Jones Girls, which is a two CD of 34 songs of the Jones Girls Essential. So I've been doing a lot of interviews uh, promoting that project that was released on the 9th. So I'm excited about that. And, and uh, you know, it, people can... You can get 34. It's a two, and plus it has the his, historical context yeah. to yeah. go along with it. 
That's dope. What's that going to be uh, released on? Because I remember they released um, like it's this one. Released. This one released on right stuff. Right this here. was released. Oh, I can't think of the name, but it's backed by Sony. So Sony oh. was part of this one, yeah. Okay. Um, for that, for stateside, and then overseas. Uh, what is the name of the label? I can't. You know, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Cameron, Cameron knows. So <laughs> so they. So when you guys were with Philadelphia International, were they were they with EMI or were they with um, Columbia around that time? When when we were with them, they were with CBS, and CBS. then when I was with them, they were with Manhattan, which was a part of Capital EMI. Okay. Yeah, with the, the uh, with my single, I mean, with my album, always in the mood. It okay. was Manhattan, and the Manhattan was with Capital E, part of Capital EMI at that time. Okay, you you got you still close with like you know Mr. Mr. Uh, Gamble, Mr. Huff, and oh yeah, I just did yeah. the Gamble's podcast a few months back. He has a podcast on every Tuesday, and we kicked it and went down memory lane, and that that was that was a Mr. Gamble. Movie. I need yeah. to talk to you. <laughs> yes, Kenny Gamble, he's the man. I, I would love, I would love to, and I would love to chop it up with him as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Almost. Most definitely, and and uh, Dexter too. I'll, I'll I'll send them your way. Please do. I'm, I I I know the music. I hope I prove. I hope I prove to you that that I, I, know I, the music. I you you most definitely have. And <laughs> thank you for inviting me to chat. And God bless. And and let's say a prayer for for our country. Yeah. And and remember that through this 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 will pass. No but doubt. Let's let's take that and take what what we've experienced this past week, and become more determined than ever to no unite, doubt. and and no get together in love and peace and music. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Shirley Jones. Before we get out of here, can I get a bridging the generation podcast shout out before we go? Yes. 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 Okay. I shout out to bridging the generation podcast do you get enough get enough get enough get enough love i want to know baby do you spread love y'all <laughs> shirley jones of the jones girl you, you 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 heard it here first bridging the generation podcast we only have the best the one and only shirley jones thank you so much you are a legend. I appreciate your contributions to the culture, to the music. And I'm looking forward to many great things from you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Bye now. No, take care.